All right, Mick. So today we've got a guest, a new employee of Central Valley Ag, Aaron Sindelar, our new conservation agronomist, is with us today. And we're going to talk a little bit about well, what the heck is a conservation agronomist. Uh, well, that's the first question I have. All right, Aaron. So welcome to CVA. Give us a little bit of your background. Yeah. So so often we always focus on the high yield. You know, we're we're shooting for shoot for high marks. Always thinking about trying to get as much off the land. Um, CVA is kind of taking a little bit different look at it where, you know, we're kind of going to look at the conservation side a little bit. What can we do to you know, still pull off the high yields, but also um, do it in a little bit more sustainable way? You know, if we look at a lot of our farmers that we work with, a lot of our growers, you know, they're family operations. They've got the aspirations. They want to pass their land on to their children, their grandchildren. And we're kind of stepping into this space, try to help them to reach that reach that goal. So. Um, that's what my job is going to be as a conservation agronomist, uh, working with growers, help, helping them kind of identify the opportunities and, and uh, you know, maybe get some more sustainable practices in. Maybe they want to work with no-till or strip-till. Maybe they want to work with cover crops. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than just going in and throwing some, some cereal rye on the ground and, and think you're going to do the same practices as you did the year before. So that's where we come into play, kind of help guys navigate the agronomic side a little bit. Um, help them kind of tailor the practices to, to work on the conservation side, um, bring the conservation practices to them, um, kind of maybe help them navigate the, the you know, kind of the NRCS, the NRD pathway kind of a thing. Um, just kind of help be a partner on a side where we really haven't done that in the past. So kind of bring the other side of the picture along with the, the agronomic performance we have been historically. Mick, you and I did a couple of episodes on cover crop here not too long ago. It seems like every time you turn your head around, there's something talking about soil health or carbon sequestration or, I don't know. What what, what are your thoughts on this? You know, you, you think back and, and not that the farmer has ever done anything wrong intentionally. I mean, none of these guys guys are going out and buying nitrogen with the intention of dumping it down the stream. Uh, not that they're trying to erode the soil off the hill slopes. The, the, the grower has never ever done that. But the general public has always had the opinion and as we get further and further removed from this farm, the general public doesn't understand where their food comes from and we need to promote that and promote the good things that our growers do every day. And I think that this is a, a great step in that direction. So Aaron, as you, you know, you sit down with a grower, what kind of things are you looking at to discuss with them about their operation? And uh, do you bring some tools to the table that are specific along these conservation lines? Yep, absolutely. So, you know, when, when we talk about conservation, the one thing we're really focused on is kind of the new buzzword in agriculture of soil quality. So we're really working on trying to improve soil organic matter because that has such a important role in our soils from nutrient cycling to soil structure, um, water retention, really just when you have a good healthy soil with high organic matter, it's going to give you better yields as well as kind of protect you a little bit more from those hot spells we get sometimes, maybe a droughty year. Um, one tool that we've got at our disposal that we can use with growers is a program called Truterra, um, a, pro a program um, from Lando Lakes where we can sit down with the grower, enter all of his management information in there, his planting information, his nutrient management plan, um, and then we can kind of show that grower 
here's where you kind of fall from a from a, a stewardship standpoint, a sustainability standpoint. And then that program allows us real time right in front when when I'm working with that grower where we can kind of select maybe we're going to enhance our nutrient management program. Maybe we're going to go with the conservation or a no conservation tillage or a no till or do a cover crop. And we can show that grower not only how that improves his sustainability, um, the soil quality, but also we can tie some economics to it and see how it affects the bottom line. Because obviously um, we want to be good stewards to the land, but it's got to be profitable for that grower too. So really gives us the opportunity to look at it a lot of different ways. Um, you know, we can do different things sustainability wise, conservation wise, and see how it affects that bottom line. So Aaron, does, the, does this program take into account soil type? Uh, I've always struggled on the soil health side. Uh, healthy sand is a way different number than a healthy clay and or silt loam. And so do we take that into account in this program? Yep, absolutely. So this is a, this is a program that it'll go feels field specific, it'll take in that soil information, um, you know, basically working off of like NRCS soil maps, and we can go soil type by soil type. So it doesn't matter if it's a Platte Valley river bottom soil or a Ainsworth sugar sand type of soil, um, we can drill down field specific and kind of see how it affects that specific soil type. You know, there's a lot of resources out there. You know, NRCS has done a great job over the years of it varies by where you're at, but promoting no-till would be a good one. You know, I grew up in western Iowa in those less hills. We get you know, a little more rainfall in here. We've got a lot of hilly um, ground, and frankly, that no-till really worked out pretty well for us. I mean, we were able to – we took a little yield hit to start with as we adapted to a new system. But after that, uh, yields are as good or better than what they had been in conventional. And, and frankly, we're able to save a lot of soil from going down the river. So, you know, their promotion of, of no-till, their promotion of cover crop. Here in Nebraska, we've got the natural resource districts do a good job of promoting uh, groundwater quantity and quality. You know, making sure we've got groundwater available for all of our different uses, you know, whether that's drinking water, irrigation water. Uh, making sure we're keeping the nitrates out of there, watching our surface water um, nutrient levels as well. But we know our growers sometimes maybe are more comfortable dealing with their agronomists than they are necessarily dealing with somebody from the NRDs or NRCSs. So I think Aaron's in a great uh, place to develop relationships with growers, to work with our FSAs. You know, we've already got uh, you know growers we've worked with a lot in the past. Just another resource here. And I think that that resource can focus on some other things that we haven't we've kind of let them let somebody else handle that in the past and and now we can have they can have a resource locally that that can give them some of the things that they need you're exactly right mick you know for years we've said well you know work with your nrd work with nrcs it, it's not really what we do and now we can integrate what we do a lot better with those groups by by aaron doing that integration yeah absolutely so you know when when a grower wants to get into kind of this conservation component, this, you know, th this area, it can be a little daunting. There's a lot of administrative stuff, a lot of agronomic stuff. Um, you know, we, we're going to be offering an opportunity to growers that we can help them navigate those waters, whether, whether it's trying to understand what funding they qualify for. And then most importantly, um, being able to partner with that grower and make those agronomic adjustments so that we're not leaving any yield on the table. For example, when we're when we're adopting some of these conservation programs. So there's a lot of moving parts to it, but we wanna be a partner to those growers and help them every step of the way.
Yeah. So, Aaron, give us a little bit of your background. And one of the things I like about having you on the team is, you know, you bring a good, solid agronomic background to our growers and, and a little different perspective than, you know, what some of us have. Yep. So I'm a Nebraska kid I'm from northeast Nebraska, the Schuyler area. Um, kind of had a, a winding road a little bit. I um, went to the university here in Lincoln for, for my bachelor's and then um, I have a master's and a PhD in agronomy. Um, I've spent time in the seed industry, so I'm you know, comfortable in working with farmers and helping them making agronomic decisions. And then I also have a little bit of a research background um, where I was doing some research on soil quality, agronomic performance, looking at a lot of the same um, decisions that we're talking about today with cover crops and, and no-till and understanding how that affects soil quality as well as agronomic performance. So um, hopefully my unique background can be an asset to growers as, as they want to, like I said, work through this conservation area. And a little stint at University of Minnesota, if I remember when right? When I did my PhD, that's correct. Very good. So not only do I have an Oklahoma State cowboy to make fun of, now I've got a Minnesota Golden Gopher. And, and, a, and a Kansas State master's degree. So oh, boy. dealt with uh, <laughs> dealt with the low organic matter soils of central Kansas all the way up to the you know five plus percent organic matter soils in Minnesota. So covered quite a range. All right. So as a grower reaches out to you, uh, you know, what do, what do you need from a grower as you think about that Truterra program and, and how to work with the grower and to get his acres in there and then ha start having conversations about maybe where some opportunities are that Truterra is uncovering? What, what do you need from a grower? Yep. So really, you know, the first part before we even get into the data is really understanding what is the grower's goals? You know, it, does he want, is he trying to be more profitable? Obviously, that's a big part of it, but how high does that... Um, that environmental stewardship rank on his list. So it's really first understanding the, the goals and the, and the desires of that grower. Um, and then once we kind of have that figured out, then it's sitting down with the grower, getting his management information. Uh, the more management information we have, the better, uh, just because that'll give us a, a more accurate number on the back end. And then it's, like I said, it's sitting down with the grower, kind of understanding and showing him this is where we are from a soil sustainability standpoint or a bottom dollar standpoint if we elect to go with cover crops. Here's the no-till or strip-till comparisons. Um, just walking them through all those scenarios so that they can make the, you know, their most informed decision. And then in addition to that, the Truterra tool will actually give us a list of all conservation programs that that grower is eligible for if he were to adopt cover crops or something like that. And then we can help kind of set up those relationships or those meetings with him to him or her to meet with NRCS or, um, you know, Pheasants Forever is somebody that likes to work in this area as well. So kind of help lay the, the framework so that they know where to how to navigate the path. That's a key part of it is we want to integrate this program with the other um, people out there. Like you said, the NRCS, the NRDs, Pheasants Forever. It's interesting sometimes seeing what different characters uh, are out there that, that are, have an interest in farmers that we never really thought that much of before. Absolutely. The the environmental sustainability piece is is a really growing in interest. Um, you know, it, it's coming to, to row crop agriculture where consumers want to know where their product is coming from. They want to they be able to trace that back and maybe someday that might be something that we face with. Um, and again, we'll help you navigate that path if it ever comes, as well as um, agriculture has a fantastic opportunity where we can um, help mitigate greenhouse gas emissions. And you have, you know, maybe an oil company or an energy company or something like that where um, they're producing more greenhouse gas emissions 
then they are reducing. So they may look to agriculture to help kind of balance that, which is called you know, the carbon balance. Um, so again, something that is sounds like a really crazy, really far out idea, but it's something that maybe someday we might face in, you know, here in, in York County, Nebraska, something we never really thought we would be faced with. Yeah, that's an interesting piece of it. You know, we think about the things as, as growers that affect us. You know, we know that if we have better organic matter, we're going to get better soil nutrients. Um, a lot of times water is going to infiltrate better. We're going to have better uh, microbial activity. Good, good things are going to happen. We know if we can keep our soil on our farm, well, then we don't have to replace all those nutrients in that really good topsoil we've got there. Our plants are going to grow better because we, we're not, you know, trying to farm subsoil. But things like letting mother nature sequester carbon by the plants we plant that has you know more of a societal benefit and not just a benefit for our own farm that's kind of new it is it's it's a new kind of not to say a scary world but it's just a lot of unknown and again that's where our job comes in that's where my job is um, to help you reach whatever goals you want to reach whether it's on the sustainability side maybe you just want to do no-till you know that's something you want to take a baby step We'll worry about cover crops maybe in three or four years. Again, that's that's something that will help you navigate that process, figure out what you need to do, make the necessary adjustments to make sure that your operation is successful. You talked about profitability. What other metrics is TrueTerra looking at? Yep, so we'll look at um, carbon storage, soil carbon storage, um, as well as greenhouse gas emissions. Those are the big ones. Um, they have some soil quality indexes built into the model that kind of is the benchmark of showing um, how you compare to, you know, your neighbors, your, you know, friends, kind of the, the farming community in general. Um, just kind of gives you a lot of, like I said, a lot of diverse information, whether you're interested in the, the sustainability piece or the economic piece. Very good. Where do you, you know, in some of your research and, and your, your learning is, where do you see this thing going down the road, Aaron? I mean, are, are we going to be farming for carbon more than we're farming for grain or what do you think? You know, I think the day could come where the, the whole carbon thing does become a little bit more important. Um, you know, obviously, you know, even to kind of step back from that a little bit, you know, going back to the growers want to know where their food comes from. Um, you know, that's something where maybe a Pepsi company or a Frito-Lay or a General Mills, that type of company has really been, you know, kind of interested in. With CVA now being a, a, a partner in the food grade market, um, we have an opportunity where potentially we could take it to those growers and bring more value to the grain that you're marketing through CVA. Um, so that's an opportunity on, on the food side. From the environmental side, again, you know, it's still... It's still kind of a, a, a big unknown about where we're gonna go with this carbon trading. But personally, I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when. And, and again, agriculture is, is, is in prime position for, uh, you know, other industries are gonna to turn to agriculture and turn to farming and ask them to help them out when, with offsetting these greenhouse gas emissions. And we wanna be in a place where, when that day comes where those growers, where, or those industries do come ask us, um, our growers are ready to answer that call. So that's, even though it might seem like something that's maybe a few years away, we want to be ready to go from day one to help our growers be even more profitable. Yep. Make it, you don't have to look too far outside of the, a farming operation to find people that really don't have a great connection on where their food comes from. No, I mean, 
it seems like over my career, I've watched this spread get further and further away from the farm. You know, uh, people that, uh, a, a family that you know, that you've known for a lot of years, you know, their kids aren't coming back to the farm. And then they get up and they're working in cities and they don't understand where where that food's coming from anymore because they're, their kids now are, are the next generation, so. Yep, this idea of tying us together from the grower to that end consumer so they can feel more comfortable about the way we produce their food, I think has a lot of validity because there's a lot of misinformation out there on how our food is produced. I'll, I'll use a personal example. Uh, one day my daughter who's in high school comes back and tells us she's gonna be a vegetarian now because of the way animals are treated on the farm now. <laughs> We, we still owned a hog operation at the time. <laughs> My wife and I both came from operations with cattle lots on it. I, I know how cattle are treated on the farm. I took them from milk calves all the way up to finishing cattle. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Her friends are telling her how bad cattle are treated on, on a, uh, a feedlot. And heck, I fed them. I, I know how they were treated. <laughs> a lot of times those cattle eat better than we do. That's where I was like, they seemed very happy to see me anytime I showed up to give them some hay or to, to dump the feed wagon in the bunk. And they seemed real happy with the rations. And to be honest with you, they'd get out. And when feeding time came back, I didn't have to chase them. They came back to the pens. It's 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 funny that, that we get such a bad reputation for how we grow our crops or feed our animals. And it's really from people that have no idea. They've never been on our farms. You know, a, a lot of anybody in the in the animal feeding world that I know of, the animals come first. Uh, they get taken care of before the family gets taken care of a lot of times. And, yep. You know, that's a huge ask of somebody that it's a, it's a 365 day a year job to yep. raise animals. Yeah, as I was cutting my way through the ice on that water tank to get the pump, to get the water restarted again, I would have beaten that person with the pump after they told me how poorly I was taking care of those animals. Exactly. (laughs) Well, Aaron, is there anything else our growers need to know about this conservation agronomist position or, importantly, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, I think if it's something that you're interested in, um, talk to your sales agronomist and you can get in contact with me. Otherwise... um, you're welcome to contact me directly, and you know we've what really, what really is an asset here is that we've got a group of experts that can help navigate the pathway. Like I said, whether it's the administrative, the agronomic, and really make sure we're doing things the right way and not leaving any yield on the table. Um, with, with quite frankly, when we're adopting practices that have a black eye, and people say, "Well, you're you're going to lose some yield if you if you adopt those." So. Let us help you kind of make those adjustments in making sure we're maximizing, you know, yield out there. That's a key thing right there is you're not meant to replace their field sales agronomist or location manager they're working with. We want to integrate this tool and these suggested practices with your operation, with the full knowledge of your trusted advisor, not just come off with something from left field. That's not what we're here for. Yep, absolutely. My job is to be yet another resource to your operation. Very good. Mick, any concluding thoughts there? Bree's kicking me again. I'd say, Tim, you know, if you're interested at all, reach out to your field sales agronomist and, and have them get in touch with Aaron and, and let's start the process. And uh, certainly let's move forward with this. Uh, 
I think that it's going to be huge for our for our growers in the future. Yep. I'll add to that, you know, there's going to be more information coming. And as, as we get this integrated with the rest of uh, the things we offer here at CBA, um, it's going to be a big piece of what we do. So, Aaron, thanks for being a guest on the program here today. With Mick Godekin, our uh, innovation agronomist. I'm Tim Mundorf, nutrient management lead here at Central Valley Ag. Thanks for listening.